0: You're almost up, Swindon fans, but you're not there yet. And it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Bridger left footed, a volley. It's the stuff of champions. It's the stuff of dreams. And donate. Races it on goal and Adone- Could be in mistake from Tomkins. What a goal from Glen Murray! He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go, Michael Smith. Into what he's done. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. My name is Josh Goldsmith, and we will be looking back at the last. Kind of couple of days between the uh, Manchester City game and the Southampton game. Um, we had had a little bit of a break uh, compared to the thick and fast of it uh, over the last couple of weeks. So we last played uh, on Saturday and we had a kind of instead of a Saturday Tuesday, we went through to the Thursday, which I think was probably something the team needed um, to kind of get back understand that we are far from safe uh, at this point prior to recording um, and we needed to really focus on getting a result at St. Mary's. Um, St. Mary's is a place that we've had a fair bit of a look at recently Um we haven't lost there very often. Uh, our last five games prior to today because uh, I'm recording the game uh, that recording the evening after the game um, you know we have uh, we have drawn three lost one one one. Um, of course, that win being the three-one win away under Gus, um, and most recently uh, we've drew a fair few games. Um, so we were we were in a spot where, although Southampton had been fantastic lately, uh, as we covered in the podcast last time, um, we were in a spot where we could look to get something away for away from home. Um, but there was a fair bit that happened prior to that. Uh, we've had a lot going on in the last couple of days. Uh, You know, we've had, what, five days away, and there's been a lot going on. So a couple of newsworthy pieces of information. Um, Steven Alzate is undergoing surgery, finally. Um, Not sure why it's taken so long, um, but he's having a surgery on his ongoing ongoing groin injury. Um, And, you know, Potter and everybody else believes it's the right thing to do for his long-term prospects. Um, And, you know, I'm wondering why we haven't, already done it um especially with all that time off we had uh but you know it's it is what it is um the the lad had an excellent year a year i don't think anybody saw coming um you know he made 21 appearances in league and cup this year 12 premier league starts he's somebody that once the surgery is done and gets back to fitness uh, maybe in the new year of 2021 i'm not sure how uh, how long this surgery keeps him out for um but you know this is something that he could come back from better than ever and I'm hoping that will be the case. So we shall see, um, fingers crossed, but I'm sure that he'll be fine. Um, and you know, if we know anything about Colombians needing surgery, uh, we, we know all about it. You know, Izquierdo should have had that surgery uh, way before he did. And you know, it's now been almost two years since we last saw him and we maybe never will um, in an Albion shirt again at this point. So glad he's doing it sooner than later. Still think it could have been done sooner. Perhaps not with the coronavirus. Maybe they didn't want to risk him being in a hospital. Uh, or maybe the hospitals just didn't want to do a surgery like that. Uh, you know, like an elective surgery during the during the virus. Uh, not that it's gone, but you know what I mean. So, yeah. Good for him. Glad he's doing it now. Um, he's got plenty of time to rest up. Because, you know, we're going to undergo another month or two break very soon. Uh, which kind of sucks, doesn't it? Um, we've just got it back. And... Whether your, you know, whether your thoughts on the fans or not, uh, behind closed doors or not, is good or bad. Um, and we'll go over that at the end of the season, of course. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's something that, you know, you, you want to watch. So get out there, get fit, get surgeried up and come back soon. Um, Another piece of information we had was uh, two new academy goalkeepers take the next step in their careers. Very young lads, of course. Um, Under-18 goalkeepers, Rocco Reese, what a great name, by the way, uh, and Finn Talley have both signed their first professional contracts with the Albion. Uh, Good stuff. We we tend to be um, bringing through a lot of very talented goalkeepers and very talented centre-halves, and that can't hurt at all. So good for them. I'm sure they'll continue their growth very well uh, underneath this program that we have now. Um, you know, they've been incredible. Uh, the, the Academy, since, you know, the early 2010s, we're now starting to see the fruits of that labor that Tony um, and Gus started all those years ago. And, you know, all the, all the people that came in between, you know, Oscar Garcia, um, Chris Hutton especially, uh, you know with his Paul Nevin uh, appointment and you know these coaches that have come through and developed the academy in the same way um, have just been absolutely brilliant so it's good to see more top quality players coming through um, and you know in 10 years time maybe we'll be talking about Rocco Reese as, as, a, as a Brighton number one um, I hope so because his name really is fantastic Uh Elsewhere uh, on the women's team because you know I like to cover the women's team of course Uh, they are still a Brighton side however they are no longer under the Brighton Twitter account they are now separate they are now under the women's Brighton Twitter account now I know a lot of people are very happy about that uh, because we're now not going to get a crossover transfer news Um, and you know obviously that is nice uh, because it is a little frustrating when someone says they've signed and then they they're, they're not an Albion men's player which is what you come to expect Um, and you know I think it's a little harsh Um, I've seen a couple of people say it's kind of sexism or whatever Um, but I think it's you know I see the same disappointment when Albion say they've got a sign in to unveil and it's you know a 16 year old kid that may never show up in the men's team so uh, the main thing is I think that you know while I understand the idea of having them all under the same Twitter account means they're treated as equals um, I think is the intent. Uh, I think Albion, you know, Albion women now are a big enough team to be recognised as their own entity. Uh, they've been a Premier League team now for two years, and the women's game is continuing to grow. Um, I did, I had an interview uh, with Kirsty Holland, who is the general manager of the women's team. Uh, it was episode forty-three, and it was just 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 over a year ago today. Um, she gave an incredibly good insight into what it is like. Uh, on the women's side of the game and the growth that they're doing. Uh, So I would definitely recommend... Uh, you know, if you're in any way interested, uh, go back and listen to that um, and, you know, follow that Twitter account. Wish them all the best and take a look at some new signings they've made because uh, they've signed a couple of new players uh, in the last couple of days. Katie Robinson. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know anything about these players, but uh, she's signed from uh, Bristol City, uh, who was also a Premier League tied She's only 17, so good product for the future. Um, and of course, we signed a AC Milan player. Um, now, I'm not sure how good uh, the AC Milan women's team are, but if they're anywhere near as good as the men's team, that should be quite a signing. Uh, she's only 25, but she's already made 70 appearances for Finland um, and played club football in three different countries. And she's a midfielder. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a great signing from the sounds of things. How can it not be? Um, so hopefully, um, you know, she'll be one of those players that can drive the Albion women forward uh, in the future so good luck to them um and i'll probably see if i can sneak an interview with uh with someone on the women's side of the game uh during this break see if we can get a conversation out of them um and kind of see how they're developing and and what this what this kind of coronavirus is going to do for the women's game as well so stay tuned uh there'll probably be an episode shortly now on to the men's game uh the big boys again uh because this is this is big news um Premier League have confirmed dates for the summer transfer window. Yes. The day after the end of the season, uh, the transfer window is opening on July the 27th. Uh, So 27th of July, transfer window opens. It then ends on October 5th. Um, Now, I don't know whether this means that we will be beginning the season right after that, uh, you know, which is what just about a two-month break uh, with August and September being totally off we know August is covered by European football so possibly Um, but at the same time Monday the Monday is uh, the 5th of October so it would be a little strange to start it then Uh, I have a feeling they're probably earmarking perhaps the weekend of the Saturday the 19th of September to start the Premier League back up Give it two more weeks. You know how they've uh, wanted to go back to that format of having the window uh, overlap into the season. So we'll see. Um, And then they've also uh, had a domestic only window added, which will be from the 5th of October uh, to the 16th of October. So during this window, Premier League clubs will only be able to trade with EFL clubs, either loans or permanent signings. Um, No transfers can take place between Premier League clubs in this period. Um, I love that idea. Uh, This is a situation that will continue to grow, of course, as teams get bigger and we'll talk about one more piece of news shortly. Um, But... You know, I think I think that's great. There's a lot of youth prospects that you know now you will be able to have 11 days to decide after the window is done whether those players are going to play a part in the in the team, Um, and you can then send them out on loan if if teams want them uh, for you know 11 in that 11 day period, and they can go between you know up to January or the rest of the season. Um, I think it's great. I think it gives the AFL clubs a lot of window uh to be able to kind of procure those youngsters um and you know from an albion perspective we've used it a lot with you know matt clark uh jason Malumbi, ben white leo ostergaard uh gaya keres you know i know a couple of those are in europe but there's a lot of uh a lot of room for advantage to be taken there for both sides Uh, it's a win-win so very happy with that and the final piece of news I feel like we've had a lot of news in five days um it has also been announced that we are now going to have five subs per game for the rest of the season uh, or rather for next season um initially my response was i absolutely hate it i do not want this to become the norm um i don't like the idea of five subs a game i think it essentially just helps the bigger teams um because they already have bigger squads and more quality within them and i think it gives them a lot of room to continue to develop players at the expense of other teams um and i think you know i just don't like five subs and it's not it's not one of those f- afraid of change things i think it does disadvantage us uh, pretty heavily so i would like them to get rid of it sooner than later however on the other side you know after thinking about it um you know it can it probably is that they're going to have to squeeze the season in a little bit right you can't start before early to mid-september which we've already covered here and i've already gave my re- estimate prediction um the, and you know it needs to be finished in time for euro 2021 so i'm assuming the games are going to be pretty packed in even if we you know scrap the uh, league cup you're still going to be adding games in uh, at a more of More frequency of games, um, basically, and I think that they're doing that to allow uh, that that five subs to continue and keep people fit, Um, especially when you have the Euros that summer and then you have, you know, almost less than 12 months later and you have the the World Cup rolling around, um, which is going to take place in the winter and it's essentially just going to be possible injury carnage. So I think it's probably the right decision on the face of it. Um, And that's it. That's all the news. We've spent 12 minutes covering five days of news. That is how wild it's been in the last five days. Um, We've had four months of pretty chill uh, football news and we've just had an absolute shit ton in five days, which, you know, have ramifications for the Albion all over the shop. So moving on Southampton. Um, we went into this game, like I said, in a pretty good run of form uh, away from home against Saints in the terms that we haven't been beaten very often uh, in the last 10 years. And we continued it today. A super important point. And, you know, I think I think that Potter, com- not confused, uh, surprised everybody um, with the initial lineup, which was a classic championship old school little and large four four two. 4 uh, We had, you know, Webster and Dunk at the back. Byrne and Lamptey at left and right back. And then we had Trossard, Stevens, Proper, and March across the midfield. And then Glenn Murray and Neil Mopai. Uh, Glenn Murray had only played nine minutes of football, um, even with the five subs since the restart. And yet he came on today uh, and played, you know, a good chunk. So very happy uh, to see that something different. I don't think Southampton could have predicted it in a million years uh, because nobody on the Albion side did. Um, And the... You know, it paid dividends because despite the fact that our general, uh, you know, match facts look the same as they have since the restart, we conceded a lot of possession. Uh, They had 67.8 possession to our 32.2%. We conceded a lot of shots to them, uh, 21 to our 10. Uh, You know, we, we allowed them to essentially dominate the ball. Um, and just dared them to break us down. It is worth noting that of 21 of their shots, they only had six on target. Um, we did a great job of allowing them to come onto us, come onto us, and then hit them on the break. Um, and we, it looked pretty clear from the outset that that was gonna be the way we were gonna work it. Um, and I think that we did it an incredibly good job. Um, I think the only problem that I would point out with the kind of the bigger match stats that we're going over um, is the pass success rate. Uh, we had a 60% pass success rate today. Um, we have not had a pass percentage success rate that bad um, against a team outside of the top 20 as far back as I can look. Outside of the top 20. I'm sorry. Outside of the like the classic top six. Um, I have not been able to find a worse pass success percentage uh, for the Albion against um, a, a team outside of that classic top six uh, as far back as I can go. So that was pretty poor um and you know if we're going to play that kind of counter in deadly football um you're going to want to be able to get that pass success pass success percentage right up um because you're going to need that to be able to get those passes off and get that counter attacking you know effective um we were aerially dominant again Dan Burn, Lewis Dunk, Webster, every single one of them were man mountains today. Uh, I thought we were absolutely brilliant. We won 58% of our aerial battles. Um, you know, I thought that we were imperious at the back, uh, especially in the air. You know, they, I don't think they really troubled us once. Um, I thought they were totally neutered in that effect. Um, and I thought that we were by far um, more comfortable than ever when they were whipping balls in at the top. Um, you know, we, we made a good set of tackles. We were, we were pretty good on the tackle percentage. We had 19 successful tackles uh, out of 29 attempted. Um, so, you know, a lot of our tackles were the right way and not a great deal of fouls either. Uh, corners, though, we gave away a crap ton of them. Uh, eight corners to our two and neither of our corners. Uh, Solly March and Leandro Trossard were on corners today with no Moy or Gross. Neither of them were accurate. Neither of them came anywhere near the Albion goal or rather the Saints goal. So, you know, work needs to be done on set pieces if we are a team that is looking to not possibly make the most of people like Pascal Gross next year. Uh, dispossessed you know no big errors this week compared to last <laughs> uh, we were all right not too bad at all uh, Davy proper and Dale Stevens still scare me to death um we were we are a team that is one poor touch away from being in big trouble um, and those two are the main culprits at the back at the minute uh, Davy proper and Dale Stevens seem very slow on the uptake so I would hope to see them you know get their act together a little bit and sort themselves out because they uh they need some work on that kind of holding the ball up if they're going to hold the ball and play it out those two need to uh need to really sort themselves out and get better with it because i have my heart in my throat every time that they get a hold of the ball uh, facing goal and, you know, in that final third of ours, uh, it's worrying because you never know when they're just going to give it away. Um, and Dale Stevens did that today and almost resulted in a goal. So we have to be very careful with that. Um, and, you know, if they would have scored that, I'm sure it would have been labeled a pretty big error. So we got away with one um, and we kind of move on to the next and hope that either A, we, we sign a midfielder that doesn't do that. Uh, we know that you know, we don't see the same kind of errors out of Bissuma very often, um, this year especially. So, you know, maybe we need to look at someone else uh, to come partner him in the midfield. Um, but that would also then require a loss of Proper and Stevens. So we shall see. Um, but moving on, you know, to the, to the kind of events of the game, uh, the goal was fantastic. Uh, it was the most championship goal you'll ever see. Uh, it was a great throwing down to Glenn Murray who nodded it back into the middle, and Neil Mopai scored a goal that you've seen him score on those Brentford highlights over and over and over again. Brought the ball down, one touch, whipped it to bottom corner, keeper had nowhere to go. Fox in the box, uh, Mopai continues to show that he is a deadly finisher um, when given the choice, of, uh, or rather when given the chance um, in that kind of 6-yard, 18-yard box area. Um, he's a bit of a monster, so very good uh and i thought that we deserved it honestly i thought that we were the better side for that opening 20 minutes um you know they came on to us as you would expect uh but i thought that we handled ourselves pretty well um you know we had seven shots in that first 20 minutes compared to their three um two on target we were all over the place four successful dribbles to their zero uh nine aerials one to their four we were we were a team in the ascendancy and we started very well indeed um and I thought that, you know, likewise, that middle piece of the game, we were absolutely bloody terrible from about 35 minutes onwards up until that final set of substitutions from the Albion. You know, it was it was backs against the wall stuff. 73 uh, percent possession conceded 13 shots against us to add to. Um, we were a team that were essentially on the back foot from the minute we conceded the goal. we scored the goal um, I thought we were well, well worth a point, though. Um, you know, the goal that did come was always going to. Uh, it felt like Danny Ings was destined to score today, unfortunately. Um, but I do have to commend uh, Potter for the substitutions. You know, just two minutes after the goal, uh, he made a two-player substitution, Lampte and off, uh, and Bissouma and Montoya on, and it did help immediately uh, add a bit more bite in that midfield. And a little bit more experience on that right-hand side. Um, and then, you know, 10 minutes later, after he saw how things were going and no more subs had been made, he then went ahead uh, and got McAllister and Gross on for Solly March and Trossard. Again, two attacking substitutions. These are two uh, kind of central attack in midfields as it came on. Um, and at this point, at the end of the game, we were almost back to that 4 2 2 2 that we've been seeing for, for a while now. Um, with that kind of back midfield too with Bissouma and Stevens uh, and then Garrison McAllister and then uh, Mopai and um, yeah, da, 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 Moy was kind of up and about there so I thought it was very good uh, you know I think that Potter is doing a good job um, and he, he is continuing to surprise people um, so fair play to him players Uh, I thought, you know, there was a couple of standouts today. Mainly that entire back line I thought was just fantastic. Um, Lewis Dunk was imperious at the back. Uh, Seven aerial battles won more than anybody else by a million miles. Um, I thought he was bloody excellent. Dan Byrne, also excellent. Two key passes from Dan Byrne. More than anybody else in the team won Two key passes, fantastic. He also won seven aerial battles today. Adam Webster, fantastic player. Best pass accuracy in the entire team uh, that played the full 90. The only people above him were people who were subbed off and that was Lamptey and David Proper. You know, I thought that every single one of those backline players were fabulous today. Uh, I thought that they did their job very well indeed. Um, and I thought that they certainly weren't afraid to, you know, get in there and defend hard. Um, up front, I thought that we were very promising, actually. I think it, you know, I feel that it's almost a no brainer, right? We already, we already knew that we needed to replace Glenn Murray next year. But if you can't see it now, like, my goodness, the, the two up top with Mopai just suited him down to the ground to have a player to play off. Um, Mopai and Murray both came away with three shots. Uh, Mopai scored, of course, they both had a key pass each. Glenn Murray walked away with an assist. um, And Trossard behind them had a great day as well. He enjoyed himself. Um, You know, he had more touches than usual. Um, He had two shots, one on target. He had a key pass as well. His pass accuracy was excellent. Um, I thought that, you know, I thought that they did a great job. And there wasn't a great deal that you can turn around and be disappointed by. Um, I thought he was excellent. Um, In terms of Webster, you know, three three tackles, uh, which is joint most... Um, two interceptions, second place, three clearances, joint first. Uh, I thought he was fabulous today. Um, He's had a lot of, he's had a tough season, honestly, hasn't he? You know, he's had some times where he's looked woefully uh, incapable of defending against some of these bigger teams or even smaller ones. Um, And he's been prone to making some horrible errors. Uh, But I thought today he was fantastic. Um, and he seems to be growing into this team very, very well indeed. And, you know, he's only 25 years old. Um, him and Donk, if we can keep Donk, of course, uh, is going to be a heck of a partnership. And that isn't even including Ben White when he comes back from Leeds. Players that disappointed me today. Uh, Tarek Lamptey, you know, he's only 19. He's had a hell of a season, or rather, you know, restart. Um So there's not a great deal to complain about long term, but I thought he was poor today. Uh, I thought he looked just a little bit out of sorts. Um, Very unusual for him. Uh, Everyone's allowed an off day, especially at that age and, you know, this new to the Premier League still. Um, But he was he was a little bit disappointing today. Uh, He, you know, he lost his man a couple of times. Um, He was responsible for losing his man for that goal. Uh, And I think it's, you know, it's a learning curve for him. Learning experience, I'm sure and it will be you know a good a good learning experience for him to continue growing himself uh and this restart has probably been one of the best things to ever happen to him uh out of all of the players on there i also thought david proper was a bit crap today um you know david proper is 28 years old now and nobody seems to know what his best position is in the midfield still um Hutton don't know doesn't know didn't know the netherlands don't know and now potter doesn't know um is he an out and out central midfielder? Is he a central attacking midfielder? Is he a central defensive midfielder? Um, nobody seems to know. And it shows because there are days when he is a defensive powerhouse uh, and plays that holding role better than Dale Stevens ever did. And then there are days when he is threading passes so filthy uh, through the defenses that you wonder why he isn't played higher up the pitch more often. Um, but I thought he was. You know, I think he has been a little bit poor of late. Um, You know, he's been right up there in the last two games with being dispossessed and poor touches on the ball. Um, He was top of being dispossessed today. He was also top of, uh, you know, poor touches, uh, bad control that gave the ball away. And this is becoming a bit of a trend for him since the restart. And that's a little bit worrying too. So hopefully, you know, someone can get into his head that he needs to... Shot himself out because he's been a bit crap. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and a point. A point is massive. That now leaves us six points clear of the drop uh, with two games to go and a much superior goal difference even after the absolute shit show that was the last two games prior to today. Um, and we now have Newcastle at home. It's a long way for them to come. Um, but unlike most teams, their away form is not much worse than their, away, than their home form. Um, they're a team that is pretty much consistent uh, whether they're playing at home or away. They're pretty solid. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of players that are going to stand out there that have been in incredible form. Uh, St. Maximin is an incredible player. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, four assists this season, three goals, uh, and he is going to cause us problems, no doubt about it. You know, 23 appearances, And he has caused teams problems in every single one of those times he's been on the pitch. Uh, Almiron is also another player that I worry about. Uh, He's the kind of player that can totally change games. Um, So, you know, if they play those two on Monday, we'll have to be keeping a real close eye on them both. Um, But Newcastle are a weird team. They, you know, they're a team that aren't exactly good. If you look at the XG table, um, they are actually bottom of the league. Uh, they have scored so many more goals than they're expected to um, in their season so far that they are performing way above all expectations. And you can see it through their strengths and their weaknesses, right? Um, you know, most teams have a couple on each side of the kind of table. Uh, Newcastle have one strength, and that is creating chances through individual skill. Looking at you, Almiron, looking at you, uh, St. Maximin, Right. Like Matt Ritchie occasionally too. Um, They have a lot of players that are capable of creating that moment of skill. Um, Christian Atsu also had a good couple of games against us recently. Uh we've got to be careful um but they're weak to a lot of things right they're weak at keeping possession of the ball uh they're weak at defending against attacks down the wings they're very poor at defending set pieces avoiding individual errors defending against long shots avoiding fouling in dangerous areas and yet they find themselves comfortably mid-table it's a very strange team um typically they set up with five at the back uh 5-4-1 generally seems to be the way they're going and they have been playing lately um you know this is a this is a team that seemed very well set up uh lately they've been going kind of with that five at the back and then a midfield group uh with Dwight Gale up top um Joel Linton is not getting a lot of game time even though he scored his first goal recently, so that's a bit weird but uh it's a game that we can win and I think it's a game that we can you know kind of take our foot off the gas in terms of desperately trying to survive by any means necessary um, and start looking forward to safety and taking advantage of playing with a little bit less pressure on our shoulders. Um, Tomorrow, Friday, July 17th is a huge game below us, West Ham versus Watford. Uh, You would think either of those two teams, they're both on 34 34 points right now, Um, you would think that whoever wins that game is safe Um, You know, their goal difference will be just about good enough to keep themselves up, even if one of the two below them won. Um, And the other team is right in the mix um, in big trouble. So we'll be keeping an eye on that one tomorrow, I'm sure. Saturday is Norwich versus Burnley. Nothing really doing for us there. Uh, and then Sunday, July the 19th, another massive game prior to us. Bournemouth versus Southampton. Southampton uh, can relegate Bournemouth on on Sunday. So we shall see. Uh, you know, depending on results tomorrow, uh, Southampton is very capable of, of putting them away. And then Monday, uh, just our game. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, not a lot doing. Um, we've got Watford against Manchester City and Aston Villa against Arsenal and you'd expect that both of those games aren't going to go well for the relegation contenders. So we shall see you all again next Tuesday um, and I will see you all soon. Stay safe.